what would it be like to live in a world where everyone's word was their bond? A handshake was as good as a legal contract, where everybody just did what they said they would do, and they all kept their word. That's the kind of world Jesus envisions, and that's the, the topic we'll take up in this episode of The Bible in Life. Hey, thanks for joining me once again on the Bible and Life podcast. You know, I was uh, thinking this morning that it's just crazy to me that it's already back to school time of the year. I don't know about where you live, but here where I'm at, today's the first day back to school for the kids. Um, And that's just crazy to me how fast the summer has flown by and I'm seeing back to school pictures on social media as Kids are posing before the camera, and everyone's getting ready to send their kids off to school. And so wherever you're at and wherever you're listening to this from, I hope all is well with you and your family. If you've got little ones who are getting ready to head back to school, may it be a great time for them and for you as they they head back to the the school year and all of that. Uh, We're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount here on the Bible and Life podcast, and we're in Matthew chapter 5 and let me just review just a little bit of where we ha- we are at and what Jesus has said. Jesus has uh, opened the Sermon on the Mount by basically saying his kingdom is wide open to anybody and everybody, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your background, whether it's religious or not religious, moral or not moral. Jesus has an open door policy on his kingdom, but that doesn't mean he intends just to do away with God's law and truth and what's right and what's wrong, that Jesus intends to actually impart a surpassing righteousness. And that really is the the theme or the key idea in the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus intends to impart a surpassing righteousness, one that goes beyond the religious teachers of his day and the religious practices of his day, uh, one that goes beyond what religion can provide even in our day, that Jesus intends to impart to those who would follow him a kind of rightness, a kind of righteousness that's deeper than just surface level, that gets to the the core of our being, that's really in sync with the way we're designed to function. And so Jesus intends to impart to us a surpassing righteousness. Well, that's where we're at, and we've seen Jesus give several examples of what he has in mind. He said, you've heard that it was said, you shall not murder. Well, I say to you, Jesus says, uh, you need to not be angry and you need to get rid of contempt. Or again, he says, you, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And that's true and that's good. But there's more to being faithful to your spouse than that. And so he's talked about uh, lust and sexual desire and divorce and being faithful to your spouse in that way. And, and all of these are examples of surpassing righteousness. Well, in today's passage, Matthew 5.33, he's going to bring up another example, maybe one that uh, you wouldn't have thought of as really being at the heart of what it means to be a person of surpassing righteousness. But for Jesus, this is very important because it really gets to the core of who we are, how we relate to other people, and the kind of person we are really deep in our character. So Jesus says this, Matthew 5.33, he says, well, again, here's another example uh, of this need for surpassing righteousness. You've heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. 
that quote from the Old Testament really is a combination, a blending of two different Old Testament passages. The first half, you shall not make false vows. That comes from Leviticus 19.12. In Leviticus 19.12, God says this to his people. He says, do not swear falsely by my name and so profane my name. I am the Lord. So don't make false vows. Don't swear falsely. And one of the primary context that was used in in the uh, the Old Testament or under the Old Covenant was in the realm of legal cases where you're going to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, right? Well, that, that idea of don't swear false vows was you have said you're going to tell the truth. You better make sure you, you, you are actually telling the truth. So that's the first half, Leviticus 19.12, you shall not make false vows. The second half is uh, you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. Is just really, there's several Old Testament passages, Deuteronomy, Psalms, where that's the case where it says, look, if you have made a vow before God, you need to keep your word. You need to do what you said you would do, or you need to make sure you're speaking the truth. So Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not make false vows. But look what Jesus says next. He says, but I say to you, Make no oath at all. As Jesus is intending to impart to us a surpassing righteousness, Jesus says, uh, I don't even want you to take any vow. I don't want you to make any oaths. I don't want you to, to ever cross your heart and hope to die, stick a needle in your eye. I don't want you to make any oaths where you you feel the need to, to make an oath in order to convince somebody that what you're saying is true. And then what Jesus does is he gives four examples from his cultural context of ways people would swear or make an oath or, you know, assure people. It's not the cross my heart and hope to die, but it's from their context. How would they make an oath where they would guarantee the truthfulness of what they're saying? So he gives the example from heaven. Don't make an oath. Don't swear by heaven for it's the throne of God. Next example he gives is earth or don't swear by the earth for it's the footstool of God's feet. Next one is Jerusalem. Don't swear by Jerusalem. Why? Well, it's the city of the great king. And then the last example is even by your own head, your own hair. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. What's Jesus doing in this little section when he gives these examples of how they would swear? Well, What it seems like Jesus is doing is this. Each of these examples were sort of ways of guaranteeing the truthfulness of what you were saying, making an oath or swearing uh, that you're, you know, you're going to do something or that what you're saying is true, but they were sort of like lesser ones. Um, They weren't swearing before God, or they weren't swearing by God, and therefore they provided sort of a loophole for uh, a way out, right? Like it's in our cultural context with the kids on the school grounds, right? You know, crossing their heart, hoping to die, but they've got their fingers crossed behind their back. Well, that's the idea. These uh, these examples that Jesus gives in their cultural context were like crossing your finger behind your back. You're not swearing by God. You're not swearing before the Lord. You're swearing by heaven. 
you're not swearing before God or by the Lord. You're swearing by the earth or by Jerusalem or by your head. And therefore, they were like, you know, ways of swearing, but you got your fingers crossed and now you've got a loophole. You've got a way out of having to keep your word. And so you could use these to try to get someone to do something for you or to convince them that you're telling the truth. But in reality, uh, you've got a way out and you don't have to keep your word. Your fingers are crossed behind your back. That's what Jesus seems to be getting at. But notice what he does. Jesus takes each of those uh, loopholes that people think, well, I'm not swearing by God. And he ties ties all of those examples to God himself. So don't swear by heaven, he says. Why? Well, it's the throne of God. You think you've got a loophole? It's still associated with God. He's involved in that. Don't swear by the earth. You think that's a loophole? Well, guess what? It's the footstool of God's feet. God's here. God's presence. You're still in the present presence of God if you swear by by earth. Don't swear by Jerusalem. You think you got a loophole with swearing by Jerusalem? Well, guess what? You know what scripture says. Jerusalem's the city of the great king. And even your own head, you might think it's your own head, but guess what? You can't even make one hair white or black. God's in charge of your life in the aging process. And so Jesus takes all these examples that they think, well, technically I'm not swearing before God. And Jesus says, but you are. You are. And therefore, you need to keep your word. In fact, what's even better is just don't swear at all. Don't cross your heart and hope to die at all. Don't make an oath at all. Don't try to assure somebody by some sort of oath, by some sort of right swearing that you're actually being truthful. What Jesus says is this, verse 37, but instead, let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. And anything beyond these is from evil, from an evil heart, from the evil one, from an evil place. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Now let's step back from that then and let's reflect on the significance of what Jesus just taught us and what he said to us. And what Jesus has said is um, his followers shouldn't be the kind of people who look for loopholes when they give their word, when they promise to do something, or they say they'll be somewhere, when they say they're going to accomplish something. They've given their word, and they're just going to do it. They don't look for excuses. They don't look for loopholes. They don't cross their fingers behind their back. They keep their word. That's the way it is for Jesus' followers. That's part of surpassing righteousness. Um Jesus' followers, Jesus' way, in Jesus' kingdom, his people are people of complete integrity, who if they say they are going to do something, they do it. If they say something is true, it's true. They don't lie, they don't deceive, they don't uh, exaggerate unnecessarily to make themselves look better. They are people of complete integrity. They're people who keep uh, their word. Let's also reflect on why why often it is that we we swear or why we, you know, give an oath or why we do something to assure somebody that the truth is something. Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes we do that as a way to try to get someone to do something or to believe something. We use swearing, we use an oath uh, usually to try to to convince somebody or try to coerce somebody to try to... It's kind of a sales job. It's a sales job. Well, I swear that. 
I promise you that. I cross my heart and hope to die that. And it's, it's a sales job as a way to, to almost manipulate people to believe what you're saying or to get them to do something for you because, well, if you do that, I'll do this. I promise I really will. And you, you're swearing. It's a sales job. And again, in Jesus' kingdom, we just don't relate to people that way. We don't treat people that way. How do we treat people? We treat them with generous, kind-hearted, genuine, sincere love. We have their best interest at heart, which means we're not trying to coerce them or force them or trick them or manipulate them. We're not trying to pull the wool over their their eyes or, you know, pull a con job or a sales job on them. We just want what's best for them. We're not trying to serve ourselves. We actually care for them. And so swearing or oath giving oftentimes can be a sales job. And if that's the case, that just violates the spirit of genuine Jesus-like love. We don't do that in Jesus' kingdom. We're people who actually love one another. And so this text really is calling us to be people of just complete, genuine, sincere integrity where we keep our word, we do what's best for people, we tell the truth, we're honest, even if it makes us look bad or doesn't look as good as we want to look, we're honest with the facts, we're honest about the information, we tell the truth, we're people of integrity. In Jesus' kingdom, surpassing righteousness means genuine, authentic integrity from the core of our being that shows up in keeping your word, being where you said you would be, doing what you said you would do, owning up to your mistakes, uh, just saying things are the way they are. And we don't try to manipulate or twist people's arms or coerce people into doing things for us with oaths or swearing or anything like that. We just act with full integrity. Just think about the ways your integrity shows up in everyday life in simple, practical sorts of ways. I think about when our kids were young and we'd put them to bed and then my wife and I would, would watch a movie and and we would know that if they asked what we did last night and we told them that we had watched a movie, they'd be all upset because they would have wanted to stay up and watch a movie with us and yet... Yet my wife and I needed some time together. And so for us just hanging out, the two of us and watching a movie, that was important time for us together. And so we knew we were going to take the risk of if they asked, what were we going to say? Were we going to be honest? Were we going to tell them, well, we stayed up and we watched a movie, even if that meant the kids got all upset and we had to deal with that. Integrity. Um, we had to wrestle with, are we going to be people of integrity or not? Um, or uh, think about it with if you're a student and you're you're turning in your homework a little bit late and and you you still want to get a good grade. Are you going to kind of manipulate the story as to why that's late because you you can know if you if you tell it like this they'll still accept your your homework or um, or if you're uh, on the job and you don't have any more sick days or whatever. Or, I mean, are you going to manipulate the facts or? Uh, I think about a time when I was in high school and uh, I skipped school to go skiing with a friend and then, uh, you know, went to school the next day. And, and I don't know how it is in these days, but I had to actually go by the office and, uh, and, and get a little slip. And so my mom wrote a note and uh, it would have been so easy to be dishonest and just have my mom write a note and say, well, John was sick and that's why he missed school. Instead of be honest and say, John went skiing with a friend. 
What does integrity do in those situations? Our integrity plays out in such a big way in the everyday experiences of life. And here's why integrity matters so much. Because the trustworthiness of your relationships depends on the the truthfulness of your words and your actions. Can people trust you? Can they trust you? And your relationships depend on your trustworthiness, and that depends on your integrity. And so Jesus here in this section of the Sermon on the Mount says, my followers will be men and women of integrity with complete truthfulness. So they don't have to swear. They don't have to give an oath. They don't have to kind of manipulate or strong arm people. They just say yes, and people know it means yes. They say no, and people know it means no. That's just the way they are because they have such genuine character, such real integrity. They're trustworthy and they're true. That's what Jesus calls us to in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus intends to make you and to make me the kind of people who live that way with complete, honest, genuine integrity. So go be light in your world by being a man and a woman of complete, perfect integrity. All right, that's it. Thanks for joining me to, on this episode of the Bible in Life podcast. Um, if you if you are finding great value in this teaching, and if you're if you're uh, experiencing really a, maybe a, a fresh understanding of Jesus and His Word, if this is really helpful to you, would you do me a favor? Would you maybe share this podcast on your social media pages, or share it with a friend, and just share? Uh, this teaching with with people we we hit a hundred or a thousand downloads just over this uh, this weekend and I would love just to really expand this to as many people as possible so if you find this of value and you think man this is some really good Bible teaching that's really helping me learn how to follow Jesus better then just share this with your friends and let people know about about this podcast so that uh, maybe they too could find great value in walking through the Sermon on the Mount and other Bible texts in, in the future with us together so Thanks for listening and joining me on the the Bible and Life podcast. God bless you guys. We will see you next time on the Bible and Life.